0: Welcome to Truth Transistor Radio.
1: This is the most awesome podcast of all time. I'm your host, Rob Hedrick. This podcast is brought to you by Proverbs sixteen eighteen: 18. Pride going before destruction.
0: Hello, Truth Transistors. Welcome to episode 12 of this, uh, my podcast, Truth Transistor Radio. And this is called uh, William Cooper Mystery Babylon Commentary Part 5. And we will get into how the mystery religions have infiltrated uh, the church, the great apostasy, uh, and those kinds of things, which will lead into my next series, which will be about apostasies, uh, you know, fake churches or fake, uh, you know, where the mystery religions have infiltrated the churches, they've become leaders of some church groups and interpret the Bible through what, to to twist it to mean what the uh, mystery religions believe. And so that would be the next um, group of, of episodes after this one. Now, I thought, you know, I like to banter a little bit about. I have nothing to talk about as far as what's um, been happening in my life. But I thought for this introduction or intro section, I would talk about my favorite band a little bit, just for fun. My favorite band of all time, and this might surprise you based on some of the music I've played, (laughs) that I have a weird taste in music in past episodes. It might surprise you, my favorite band is the Beach Boys. And most people know the Beach Boys from their early, you know, surf and car songs, just very silly and fun and happy kind of music. And I like that stuff, but they really progressed over the years and they did many different kinds of music. And, uh, you know, they started out the first, I don't know, five albums. They were kind of a garage rock band. They kind of mixed the style of Chuck Berry and the Four Seasons, which, I mean, not not the Four Seasons, the Four Freshmen, which was a jazz quartet in the 50s, as well as some surf rock, which, uh, you know, they would sing about, but also they played some, they did some instrumentals and some of the way they played guitar was similar. But then um, Brian Wilson, who was the main songwriter, was inspired by Phil Spector, who was a producer in the early 60s, who produced a lot of symphonic uh, pop rock. Stuff like Be My Baby by the Ronettes, the Righteous Brothers, uh, the Crystals, the Everly Brothers, and others. Um, and Brian began to develop. Instead of doing songs like Surf and Safari, Shut Down, Little Do Scoop, and, in, uh, and Fun, 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 He started doing songs like California Girls, uh, Let Him Run Wild, uh, Wendy, uh, what was that song, Please Let Me Wonder, Dance, 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 and then the Pet Sounds album, very symphonic. He used the same studio musicians that Phil Spector used. And then really began to experiment with an album called Smile, which was going to be the Follow up of Pet Sounds. Uh, the only song he finished from that period was a song called Good Vibrations, which was recorded with sections, like you would do like a, a five minute section. Uh, and he recorded over several studios and over a course of like six months and then pieced it together. And it became this masterpiece that I think is one of the greatest singles of all time. And he was going to do a, an entire album like that, which was going to be Smile. And the only songs that ever came out uh, was Heroes and Villains, um, Surf's Up, uh, Cabin Essence came out on an album. But um, a lot of it was canned until um, 2004, when Brian Wilson went on the road and and performed the entire Smile album. This was the first time. It had never been released, and he performed it and put it together in in an order that made sense. And then in 2011, they released the box set, The Smile Sessions, which in my opinion is some of the greatest music of all time. It's just unfinished. So, but in the process of The reason it's unfinished is Brian Wilson was doing drugs. He began to get paranoid about it. He began to hear voices in his head. Uh, Some people were not, you know, didn't like the music or the words because the words were kind of nonsensical. So there was just kind of that going on. So we just dropped it. And then the next album was a minimalistic approach. So after doing these high productions with, you know, uh, studio musicians and symphonic pop. He did this album that was just like vocals, percussion, and organ, and maybe like a jar. What do you call that thing? You know, The Smiley Smile album, which I think is kind of genius. It's just, it's probably closer to the Velvet Underground than, than, than Pet Sounds. Uh, you know, it's it's kind of that approach, like just a strange minimalistic approach. And then he does this R&B kind of, an R&B psychedelic album called Wild Honey. Um, and, I, and I forgot to mention that Smiley Smile, Wild Honey, and the next album, Friends, were mostly recorded in Brian Wilson's house. Um, but these were highly under, you know, they were not very successful albums. There was a uh, somewhat of a hit single on the wild Honey album called Darling. But, you know, they had suddenly become the Doris day. It, let me rephrase that. The music scene had changed so much and it passed them by in a sense, even though I think they were leading the way artistically because they didn't really smile. And 1967 was a huge change in music. Um, suddenly nobody wanted, the Beach Boys represented something of the past that nobody wanted, even though the Beach Boys themselves had changed. Um, But really, I think the music from 1967, you know, after Pet Sounds and after Smile was canned to 1973 was really good stuff. And they really continued to progress musically. Uh, experiment musically the band itself you know brian started to you know take steps back and and do less but the rest of the band began to step up and you begin to have other very talented songwriters uh but the problem was in the united states they were very unpopular for that period but i think around the world they were still very successful Uh, they had some really big hits um in in other countries, Uh, songs like Cotton Fields, which was a cover folk song. Um, The the Sunflower album was a big hit in England, as far as I've heard. Um, That has a song on it called Forever, which was covered by, uh, it was on Full House, that John Stamos sings. Now, I personally think that it falls flat. It's a little too adult contemporary, But the one before that, uh, the, the original one, was, was great. Um, and then they had a couple of classic rock albums where they brought in a couple of guys from South Africa, Blondie Chaplin and Ricky Fatar. Blondie Chaplin has been a backing musician for the Rolling Stones, and Ricky Fatar was on a group called the Ruddles, Uh I think it would be after this. But they were actually in a band called The Flame that Carl Wilson, Brian's brother, uh, discovered and signed The Flame uh, for the Beach Boys record label called Brothers Records. And yeah, so he took it and um, they they recorded and produced one album by The Flame and then The Flame broke up. But then they signed two of the members on to the Beach Boys, and they actually had songwriting credits and lead vocals and everything on two albums, uh, Carl on the Passion So Tough and Holland, which was actually recorded in Holland. They took their whole studio, they moved it all to a barn in, in the Netherlands, and they called the band, they called the album Holland, and uh, they had one hit in that album that has been played on classic rock stations called Sail on Sailor. I've never heard it on classic rock stations, um, but apparently people have said they've heard it, and a lot of people didn't know it was the Beach Boys. But they sounded completely different than what people knew them of. But they were starting to gain an underground following at that time, and... On Mojo, They were on the cover of Mojo, I think, in 1971. And it said, The Beach Boys is still trying to fight their surfing image. Now, they were not that big, but they were starting to grow in this era. And then all of a sudden, in 1974, Endless Summer, which was the greatest hits, of their early songs came out and went double platinum. And suddenly they found themselves performing in a concert uh, and people would be yelling for bob Aran or, or Fun, Fun, Fun while they were playing a five-minute progressive rock song. And for several years, they kind of fought their audience uh, before they sort of caved and became this oldies act that everybody knows about now. But my favorite period is that progressive period. And so I just thought I would throw that out there. And real quickly, I'll just mention a few songs from this era that I really like, and you can look them up. Uh, Let the Wind Blow, Wind Chimes. There's a couple of versions of Wind Chimes, and I like both of them. One is the smile version, and one is the smiley-smile version. So, uh, yeah, you can tell the difference of recording style from the highly produced to the minimalistic approach. Um, Sailplane Celebrate the News uh, It's About Time Long Promised Road uh, Let's go with Hold On Dear Brother That was a Blondie and Ricky song um, Johnny Carson is a really quirky song From 1977 That's actually Brian Wilson comeback album uh, A Bit Strange and you can tell he's a little bit um, off, because he had just spent three years basically in bed, as, as, the, as the legend goes, doing a lot of drugs and, and eating and ballooned up to 300 pounds. And then he had some rehab and made a comeback for a brief period in the 70s. Um, but then he receded again and then made a comeback again in the 80s, and... Actually started a solo career and over the last 20 years has been touring and he's had some really good albums. So, you know, check out his solo albums. I would recommend uh as far as solo albums, That Lucky Old Son and The Gershwin. Uh or, it's called Reimagines Gershwin but those are both Brian Wilson albums. And then in 2012, the band had a reunion and they recorded an album called That's Why God Made the Radio, and I think that song made it to number five on the charts. I'm not a big fan of that song, but there were some good songs on the album. Um, So, you know, it's just some quick thoughts and some fun talk about my favorite band just to fill some time here at the beginning of this episode. So now... We'll get into uh, the, the next, uh, this is part five of the M- William Cooper Mystery Babylon Commentary. And unfortunately, I just realized that over this last, this intro, I've been, I forgot to use the microphone, so I'm using the uh, the laptop microphone, which isn't as good. But the rest of it, I promise I will use the real microphone So here is the next section of the William Cooper Mystery Babylon series.
1: The relationship between the Pope and the Grand Masters of the Secret Societies, ladies and gentlemen, was an explosive one. The Church regarded the members of the Secret Societies as spiritual anarchists who were agents of satanic conspiracy against organized religion. The Church saw them as competitors for their flock, the sheep. The Freemasons and Rosicrucians styled themselves as wolves and believed that the sheep belonged to them, and were their legal and lawful prey. The Freemasons and Rosicrucians, on the other hand, also accused the Church of suppressing the true teachings of Jesus of Nazareth, and many secret societies were fervently anti-clerical. They plotted the overthrow of the Catholic Church because it opposed the old pagan religions and the Manichean heresy from which these groups drew their spiritual inspiration. Ah, if they only knew that the Catholic Church had already done it long ago, and that's why they feared the secret societies as competitors. At first secret societies were supported by the church. When the Vatican perceived the secret societies to be a political and ideological threat to the church, the climate of suspicion, suspicious tolerance began to change culminating with King Philip of France wiping out the order of the Knights Templar in the 14th century. The Council of Nicaea convened by the Roman Emperor Constantine in the 4th century rejected pagan beliefs, at least that's what they said, such as reincarnation which were held by early Christians and presented Jesus as God incarnate rather than a human spiritual teacher. Our contemporary knowledge of the Gospel of Mark dates back to 1958 when an American professor of theology, Dr. Morton Smith, discovered references to it in a letter by Clement, preserved in a desert monastery. According to Smith, The inner teachings of Jesus were passed by him to his disciples during the initiation rite which resembled those of the pagan mysteries. Smith interprets the ritual communion meal practiced by early Christians as a pagan rite descended from the mysteries of Isis and Osiris. It was this esoteric interpretation of Christianity which was accepted by the medieval secret societies rather than the version offered by the church. After a brief lapse to pagan worship during the reign of Julian, the Christian religion quickly re-established itself in Rome, and under the emperor Theodosius 378-395 AD, the worship of the old pagan gods was finally prohibited. The ideological battle between the popes and the Roman emperors they created raged for several hundred years. The point where we can discern the beginning of these secret societies influence in this power struggle was in the reign of Frederick the second crowned as Holy Roman Emperor in 1215. With his death in 1250 the Holy Roman Empire collapsed. The Scottish Rite of Freemasonry in the first lodge in Carolina in the United States received its charter from Frederick of Prussia. For 20 years, Europe was devastated by war until, in 1273, the concept of the old empire was revived with the crowning of a new Holy Roman Emperor, Count Rudolf von Habsburg, or Habsburg, meaning Castle of Hawks, in Austria. For the next 300 years, under the patronage of the Vatican, the Habsburgs extended their empire throughout Europe, based on their temporal power and the spiritual power Of the Roman Catholic. The successful alliance between the Habsburgs and the Vatican was seriously weakened by the actions of one man, a crusading reformer, who used the symbol of the Rosen Cross on his personal seal. He was the German monk Martin Luther, and he was, in fact, a member of the Order of the Rosy Cross.
0: Okay, so first I want to make this clear. I think he's getting this information from either the Two Babylons by Alexander Hislop or. Babylon Mystery Religion by, uh, is it Ralph Epperson? No, uh, Ralph Woodrow. Uh, I, I think he's getting this information from one of those two, and I'm not sure where they got the information. Um, but there's two things uh, he's mentioned so far, and he's talking about the the origins of the Roman Catholic Church, and he's also talking about Martin Luther, And in both cases, there's claims of them being members of, you know, or or being mystery uh, members of the mystery religion or or a mystery religion, I should say, or a secret society. Um, I'm not totally sure if that's true. I'm not sure how to document that, but uh, I do think both. I mean, I do think the Roman Catholic Church, when it started, was a bit apostate and based upon Ro- some Roman traditions. Um, a lot of Protestant Christians respect Martin Luther. A lot of conservative Christians respect Martin Luther. Um, the, I think they get this from the idea that he had a, his symbol was the same as that of the Rosen Cross or the Rosicrucians, which started actually later than Martin Luther. So it's not verified that he was a member, uh, as far as I know. But uh, there are some issues that I have with Martin Luther's theology, and that's a, a different topic. But it, it is kind of interesting to consider the possibility that some of these prominent, um, you know, members of the Christian history, of Christian history, might actually be wolves in sheep's clothing. So uh, take that for what what you will, and, you know, I don't want anybody to get offended by this. I'm also, it's, this is not against Catholics or against Lutherans. It's against these specific people that are being mentioned, and it's just something that we need to have discernment about and keep our eye open for in any movement that we are a part of or you know, any kind of church that we're in.
1: Martin Luther, who many revere was the founder of the Protestant or Protestant movement. The Reformation, allegedly supported by the Rosicrucians and other secret societies who opposed the Catholic Church, swept through Europe. This period of the Reformation represents a key time in history during which the relationship between the Church and the secret societies changed. With the Reformation, you see, the Church was faced with an enemy within, which it could not destroy without bringing down its own edifice. With the Reformation, the whole concept of organized religion in Europe was revolutionized overnight. And where there had been one church, now, today, there are literally tens of thousands, all with different dogma, different interpretations, all professing to be the only true church, with the only truth, and with the only claim to heaven. Many think that the secret societies were instrumental in this revolution. I can tell you absolutely for a fact that they were. Support from the Grand Masters was offered to the religious reformers because the Reformation was recognized as a means to weaken the influence of the Catholic Church in European affairs. In America, sad to say, much of the Catholic hierarchy has taken on this role in modern times. The Reformation effectively emasculated the political power of the Church. It laid the foundation for the Puritan movement whose members fled religious persecution in Europe to found a new nation in the Americas based on spiritual principles drawn from Rosicrucian sources, and all of our founding fathers were members of these secret societies. It also provided an atmosphere of open-mindedness which allowed the seeds of the Renaissance to flower, based on the best ideas of the pagan classical world. Although the Habsburgs were to rule for another 300 years, until 1806 the Reformation destroyed any hope of a united Europe controlled by the Roman Catholic Church until today. Above everything else, the religious reforms of the 16th century marked the beginning of the period when the Church became determined to exterminate the secret societies which had weakened its power base. I'm not aware that the Vatican has changed its policy one iota from this. In fact, its determination has doubled over the past 150 years, even though today the secret societies flourish in America, and with only a wink from the American Catholic Church bishops. In fact, the Jesuit society was formed to combat this from another secret order of Illuminati or the Illumbrados in Spain. The head of this group was Ignatius Loyola, who was in fact arrested by the Inquisition. He used his influence with powerful people to gain an audience with the Pope. He went in on his knees and walked out on his two legs with a papal bull, granting him immunity from prosecution, from the Inquisition, from any king, queen, country, or law, save one, the Pope, and he was to found a new order, the Society of Jesus, now known as the Jesuits. Above everything else, the religious reforms of the 16th century marked the beginning of the period when the church became determined to exterminate the secret societies which had weakened its power base. The secret societies, though they claim to follow the precepts of Jesus Christ, actually provide an alternative version of spirituality to their followers. They deny the divinity of Jesus Christ. They deny that he was the Son of God, or was in actuality the incarnated God upon this earth that he died, or that he was resurrected, or that he sits upon the right hand of the throne of God. Instead, he has become an ascended master, a teacher. And Christ has become an office which anyone can attain. You too can become a Christ in the New World Order. They actually provide this alternative version of spirituality. And it is the foundation of what you know today as the New Age Movement. They alleged that the Church had deliberately subverted the teachings of Jesus and teach that there are other sources of spiritual knowledge which are as valid as Christian belief and predated it by thousands of years. It has often been claimed that the ultimate objective of the secret societies was to infiltrate the Vatican and place their own man on the throne. Some modern critics of the Roman Catholic Church, especially those with ultra-traditionalist views, have seen and the liberalization of the church in recent years proof that its hierarchy has been penetrated at the highest levels by agents of the secret societies who are working for its eventual downfall. At the celebrations in honor of St. Francis of Assisi in 1986, which stressed the unity of all religions, the pope participated in a multi-religious prayer for world peace. Traditionalists were horrified to see the pontiff happily share a platform with a Tibetan Lama a Hindu Swami, a Native American medicine man, a Jewish rabbi, and a Maori high priest. It was noted that the unity of all the world's religions and the recognition that they all derived from the same ancient source is the central philosophy of the secret societies. It is the goal of the World Council of Religions. It was the message of Pope John Paul II in Denver, Colorado, and he replaced the last pope who tried to be a good pope. He was murdered after exactly 33 days in office.
0: Now, what he was talking about concerning Pope John Paul, obviously, this this episode was made back in the 90s. And we can definitely see this continuing today with Pope Francis. And I'm going to leave a link for a uh, a little uh, article I found from the America, the Jesuit Review. Pope Francis, to world's religious leaders, we build the future together or there will be no future. And just reading the beginning of this here, quote, there is no alternative. We either build the future together, or there will be not there will not be a future. unquote. Pope Francis said frankly in an important keynote address to participants at the high-level interreligious meeting in Abu Dhabi on February fourth. Let's see, what year was this? That was 2019. So you know, um, not you know, just last year. And I'm sure you can find all kinds of news um, about Pope Francis. Uh, he says, Religions in particular cannot renounce the urgent task of building bridges between peoples and cultures. He told the 700 representatives of Islam, Christianity, Judaism, and other religions at an open air gathering at the memorial to the founding father of the United Arab Emirates. But uh, I'll leave the the link to this whole article. Um, but definitely part of the strategy of the new world, or the uh, you know the Illuminati, is to create a one-world religion. The
1: mystery religion of Babylon, ladies and gentlemen, has been symbolically described in the last book of the Bible as a woman arrayed in purple and scarlet color, and decked with gold and precious stones and pearls, having a golden cup in her hand full of abominations and filthiness of her fornication. And upon her forehead was a name written, Mystery Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and abominations of the earth. And that's from Revelations chapter 17 verses 1 through 6. When the Bible, ladies and gentlemen, uses symbolic language, a, quote, woman, unquote, can often symbolize a church. The true church, for example, is likened to a bride, a chaste virgin, a woman without spot or blemish. Check Ephesians chapter 5 verse 27 and Revelations chapter 19 verses 7 and 8. But in striking contrast to the true church, The woman of the text is spoken of as an unclean woman, a defiled woman, a harlot. If it is correct to apply this symbolism to a church system, ladies and gentlemen, then it becomes clear that only a defiled and fallen church could be meant. In big capital letters, the Bible calls her, quote, Mystery Babylon, unquote, the true church. It doesn't exist anywhere today except in small pockets of individuals who meet with each other in Christ's name. All of these organized religions have bastardized the teachings of Christ, have corrupted the teachings of Jesus, and most of them are helping to lead you into slavery in the new world order. In those days great signs and wonders were performed as God confirmed his word with signs following. True Christianity, ladies and gentlemen, anointed by the Holy Spirit, swept the world like a prairie fire. Nothing could stop it. No matter how many Christians the emperor crucified, no matter how many Christians were thrown to the animals in the Roman circus, one hundredfold sprang up to take their place. This movement encircled the mountains and crossed the oceans. It made kings tremble and tyrants fearful. And it was said of those early Christians that they had turned the world literally upside down. So powerful was their message and spirit. Now, I am talking about the true Christian teachings of Jesus Christ and the way that it was followed in the early days of Christ's church, not Rome's church, not Baptist's church, not Lutheran's church, not Orthodox church, but Christ's church. Before too many years had passed, men began to set themselves up as lords over God's people in places of the Holy Spirit. Instead of conquering by spiritual means and by truth, not too many people in the world understand what truth even means today, as in the early days, men began to substitute their ideas and their methods in place of the teachings that Christ gave us. The Inquisition came from these people, not from Jesus Christ. The Crusades came from these people, not from Jesus Christ. Attempts to merge paganism into Christianity were being made even in the days when our New Testament was being written, folks, for Paul mentioned that the mystery of iniquity was already at work, already at work, and he warned that there would come a falling away and some would depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, the counterfeit doctrines of the pagans, Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 3 through 7, First Timothy chapter 4, verse 2. And by the time that Jude wrote the book that bears his name, it was necessary for him to exhort the people to earnestly contend for the faith that was once delivered unto the saints. For certain men had crept in who were attempting to substitute things that were no part of the original faith. Check Jude, chapter 1, verses
0: 3 and 4. Now, as I've mentioned already, uh, The upcoming episodes will be a series of episodes in which I talk about apostasies throughout history, and then I will follow that up with uh, an episode about what the true church is and what it looks like, but I'll just quickly state, this is why it's important when he talks about wolves in sheep's clothing, he talks about uh, the mystery of iniquity at work, this is why it's very important to have the Bible as your foundation for truth, the Bible and prayer, and it's good to have, um, you know, mature Christians and leadership, and to to listen to them. But you know, each individual is responsible for your own uh, you know relationship with Jesus, and. To read the, the scripture and to see and test the things that are being taught in your churches. Um, and not become a blind follower of a guru or some, you know, leader. Just because they went to seminary and you didn't. <laughs> uh, if you're a believer and you have the Holy Spirit, then you can read the scripture and uh, pray if you don't understand something. Um, but... I find this very very important because uh, it's it's easy for people to follow a leader and not ask questions you know so uh, yeah so this is very important for now um, let's take a break and listen to a song and I'm going to play a song by a group called Swerve this is a friend of mine that made music and He's very talented, Um, he plays the trumpet and his wife writes poetry and they did this album together a while ago, 2004 is what it says here, Um, and he actually originally was on the original Polyphonic Spree, if anybody's heard of them, he was their original trumpet player, and um, yeah, so... This is a song that I chose called Brown Eye Special. So once again, that's Swerve, S-W-I-R-V-E, and that's a friend of mine, uh, or two friends of mine, Chris and Tamitha Curiel, uh, a a couple that, uh, he plays trumpet, she writes uh, poetry. Um, A guy named Gerard something, Bendix, played the drums. So, um, now I looked at, I looked up this, they have a website on here, swerve.net, but it doesn't come up to anything, so I don't think the website exists anymore. I'm not sure if you can find them on iTunes or Spotify. I looked up Spotify, they weren't there. So, you know, you can try to Google it, swerve, S-W-I-R-V-E, and see if you find anything. They really haven't been active in over 10 years but I just wanted to share it just for the love of the music. So let us continue with the uh, William Cooper Mystery Babylon.
1: Christianity folks came face to face with the Babylonian paganism and its various forms that had been established in the Roman Empire. The early Christians refused to have anything to do with its customs and beliefs. and We all know what happened. Much persecution resulted Many, many Christians were falsely accused, thrown to the lions, burned at the stake, and in other ways tortured and martyred. And for their own safety they went underground in the catacombs and in the caves, and they formed their own secret society, which was known then as the Friendly Open Secret Society, and their symbol to mark their way was a fish. Then great changes began to be made. The emperor of Rome professed conversion to Christianity. He had to, for Rome rome would have fallen just as sure as a tree in the forest falls to the axe if he had not made that move in those early days of the real church the real church christ's church who practised exactly what he taught them great great changes began to take place that have affected us right up to this very day what a shock it must have been when constantine professed a conversion to christianity after stating that he had seen the vision of a cross in the sky. And some accounts say that he didn't see it in the sky during daylight, that he saw it in a dream. And ladies and gentlemen, because he never accepted Christ during his entire life, and in fact was a pagan sun worshipper, I question whether he ever saw a cross at all. You see, because history says and records very clearly that Constantine never accepted Christ as his Savior. He never really followed the teachings of Christ, He was, in fact, a sun worshipper. He practiced the mystery religion of Babylon. But he was, in fact, the emperor of Rome. Rome very quickly became, ladies and gentlemen, the Catholic Church, and the Roman emperor became the Pope. He had to do this to save the empire. The symbol of the Roman empire and the emperor was the double-headed eagle. It signified that he ruled over both the east and the west that the sun did not set on the Roman Empire. This symbol still is displayed upon the walls of the Vatican and just recently Russia adopted this symbol as its national symbol. It is the symbol of the 33rd degree of Freemasonry. Imperial orders, ladies and gentlemen, went forth throughout the Roman Empire that persecutions should cease, simply and quickly cease. Bishops were created and given high honors. The church began to receive worldly recognition and power. But for all of this, a great price had to be paid. Many compromises were made, ladies and gentlemen, with paganism. Instead of the church being separate from the world, it became a part of this world system. The emperor, showing favor, demanded a place of leadership in the church. For in paganism, emperors were believed to be gods. So from here on wholesale mixtures of paganism into Christianity were made, especially at Rome. What is known today as the Roman Catholic Church is nothing less than the old Roman Empire transformed and the old Roman pantheon of gods became the pantheon of saints. And the Christian who began as a saint equal with all of his brothers and sisters became a lowly peon once again. The title of saint was stripped from him and from her, and uh, someone began to pass a plate and put up collection boxes and demand that at festivals the wealth of the people be transferred into the coffers of the church. Now I don't doubt that there are many fine, sincere, and devout Catholics. In fact, I know there are. I know there are many devout, sincere, courageous, wonderful, members of the Mormon Church, and the Baptist Church, and the Lutheran Church, and the Orthodox Church, and even the Buddhist religion, and Hinduism. I've met these people all over the world. We have all, ladies and gentlemen, been deceived throughout our lives by the secular and the religious priesthood, and in many cases they are the same. They are now engaged in a grand plan to bring about a new world order
0: and this is the main point of this episode episode sorry and uh because honestly whether or not you agree or believe all of these things about these specific people that have been mentioned the point is that there are people in leadership that are deceiving us that are trying to bring about a new world order and And the point is we need to have our eyes open. We need to be alert. We need to be vigilant. And this is the most important part. Whether or not everything William Cooper uh, has said in this episode or read um, is accurate or not, if, if you are like a huge supporter of somebody that he's mentioned and you're offended by that, You know, don't be offended. Just do some research and check it out and stop being deceived. And maybe uh, in your research you'll find out that he was wrong, but at least you'll know. And uh, it's it's very important to search these things out. Search the people in power, in, in high places, even within the church. Because, like I said, many of them are Freemasons. They're from secret societies they're specifically trying to
1: lead the church astray the mystery schools who try to keep the mysteries pure want to rule the world through a council of elders with a puppet charismatic religious and political leader upon the throne of the world and the Vatican wants the Pope to sit upon the throne of the world and rule without the council of elders you see they're all united and the efforts to bring about world government, the only point of contention is who is going to rule. And we're we're the odd card, the joker in the deck, for if we want to, we could decide that neither one of them will rule, and we could determine the outcome of this battle, and we could reinstitute the real church again upon this earth as it was when Jesus taught it. He did not teach us to war against our neighbor. He did not teach us to condemn or judge our neighbor. In fact, the commandment was, Judge not, lest ye shall be judged. When Jesus spoke to a crowd and someone walked away from the crowd, he did not chase them down the road and try to stuff his teachings down their throat. Neither did he build great, wealthy cathedrals built of shining glass with great pageants on the holidays and big-name stars to come and sing and perform in these pageants where a homeless person or a poor unemployed man with dirty clothes would be turned away from the door. Jesus Christ would have been the first one who welcomed that person into the church. And if you will look at the people that he habitually associated with, whose homes he slept in, who became his disciples, you will understand that those today who call themselves Christians do not even know the meaning of the word. Many of the ministers, pastors, who stand at our pulpits across this nation and preach the word of God on Sunday, attend the rituals of the Masonic Lodge on the following Saturday, and pay homage to Lucifer. How can this be? And the truth is, very few people know the truth or practice the truth. Most so-called Christians spend most of their life calling Jesus Christ a liar. They have so twisted his teachings, his simple teachings, they've so turned around everything that is said they so reach out to find verses in the bible to promote their own agenda whatever it may be and all through the work they steal from their neighbors and piously attend church on sunday and this must stop all of the lies must stop all of the deceptions must stop all of the manipulations must stop we must begin to use our brains tempered with our hearts. For cold reason is cruel and intrepid. Those who believe that there is no place in this world, or within humanity for emotion, are the despots of the world. Conversely, those who believe that the heart should dictate everything are the fools of the world. Too few of us are winning these battles, ladies and gentlemen. Too few of us really care Too few of us really understand the Golden Rule. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Too many of us are fat and lazy and apathetic and ignorant, pampered, spoiled, rotten. America must change. The change must occur in the people. The people must once again understand what is important and what is not. They must be willing to sacrifice. They must be willing to do whatever is necessary to make sure that the freedom that man has gained throughout his history, culminating in the greatest nation upon the face of this earth, does not disappear from the face of this earth.
0: Most, if not all, of the William Cooper stuff you've heard in this episode is from one episode of his Mystery Babylon series, which is called from Babylon to Christianity and it's one of my favorite of all the episodes along with the first episode um, the first two I think is a is summarizing I, I think the first one's called the dawn of man and the second one is called sun worship and I've listened to those two quite a bit but this one is right up there with those two because uh yeah, this one gets right into the meat of the matter and also separates the apostasy from the truth. And um, yeah, so I think that's episode number 36 or, or hour number 36 of the Mystery Babylon series. So um, again, I'll put, post the entire series on YouTube. Um, he gets into a lot of things that I think are good that I may tackle in the future. I I don't know yet, but he has a full episode on Freemasonry, a full episode on the Rosicrucians, a full episode on uh, Gnosticism, you know, so he gets into more detail on a lot of these things that he's, he's brought up. And, you know, what I did was I, I took about, I edited down to about two hours that gives you the, the, the meat, you know, the the summary of it all. And over the last five episodes, I've been playing sections of that. And uh, I would really encourage you. This is like, it's like a class. And that it's, I think it's very important to go through that Mystery Babylon series. I just, you know, I, I have a job where I'm able to listen to something uh, on my headphones while I work and so it's easy for me to listen to things like this and i listen to them over and over again uh not just this but other things that i'll be sharing as well um so i'm not sure you know if you have a job or or you know while you're doing a chore at home or whatever if it's if it's even uh, possible for you to listen to a lot of things but um you know or read um I mentioned, um, so I've mentioned some books in the past, and I'll mention more here. And first, I would like to mention some books from the horse's mouths, meaning these are occultists telling you what they believe and what their plans are. Uh, okay, first, Morals and Dogma by Albert Pike. And then there's The Secret Doctrine by Helena Blavatsky The Destiny of the Nations by Alice Bailey The Secret Teachings of All Ages by Manly P. Hall There are quite a few occult uh, books by Alistair Crowley and really uh, the other authors I mentioned have written several books, I'm sure. So... Um, you know, I don't know that I would necessarily recommend getting these books. Uh, I would be very careful with them because they are written by occultists. But that's just so that you have the resource, or the, you know, from from the horse's mouth. <laughs> but uh, here's a, a, some more books that I have, and honestly, I haven't read a lot of these yet. I've just heard about them. Um, and I don't know if I agree with everything in these books or not, but so just keep that in mind. This one's called The New Age Movement and the Illuminati 666, written by Sutton. Let me see what the full name is. William Josiah Sutton. Uh, this is a popular one called Bloodlines of the Illuminati by Fritz Springmeier. Uh, Rule by Secrecy by Jim Mars. And I think Jim Mars has written several good books. This is just one that I have. I'm trying to collect a a library because who knows when the internet will be taken down. (laughs) Or, you know, highly, uh, you know, blocked or whatever. Uh, Secret Society is a Sinister Agenda Exposed by Milton William Cooper. Uh... Another one by William Cooper, Behold a Pale Horse. And that's, yeah, another good one. That gets into some details of, he, he shows documents in the book. Uh, John Todd Behind the Legend by Christopher A. Lerock. He's a John Todd was somebody that came out of the Illuminati, and I'll probably do in the future an episode on him. And we'll listen to some of his, uh, you know, some of his tapes Uh, when he spoke. He became a Christian. He came out of the Illuminati, or at least that's what he claims. So that's pretty interesting. Um, This one's called Proofs of a Conspiracy by John Robeson. Um The Two Babylons by Alexander Hislop, I think, was quoted some on this uh, episode by William Cooper. Uh, Also, Babylon Mystery Religion by Ralph Woodrow was quoted some by William Cooper. The Babylon Code by Paul McGuire and Troy Anderson, and Rise of the New World Order, the Calling of Man by J Michael Thomas Hayes. And again, there's probably some things in these books I disagree with. They some of them have uh their conclusion is different than mine. Um, I believe the like the the Babylon mystery religion and the two Babylons I think suggest that the Roman Catholic Church is mystery Babylon. Um and I think they're part of it, but I think uh, as i've said before i believe that the illuminati is mystery babylon and i think another one of these might suggest that the united states is mystery babylon um so anyway but i think there's a lot of good information in those and uh you know i would encourage anyone to research anything that they read on their own um and, and all I'm trying to do, you know, I'm not the expert here. I'm just more of maybe trying to to create a place of sort of an en- encyclopedia of truth, or at least what I'm convinced the truth is. And, you know, there's a good chance, as I've stated before, that I'm wrong about something or that... I've come to a wrong conclusion about something, but I'm continuing to seek, to seek those things out and make sure that I come closer to the truth. Make sure that I have discernment and to be vigilant. And these upcoming future podcasts, I'm going to to discuss different apostases uh, in history throughout history and and the way Satan. Um, will infiltrate churches or these secret societies that are Luciferians will infiltrate churches uh, and create these movements that are Christian in name, but they're really not. And just to name some, um, I'll probably do, I, I haven't decided what order yet, but I'm thinking I'll do the Russ Dizdar thing next, which is specifically on how Satan infiltrates the churches. How people that are Satanists that are highly trained and oftentimes have been uh, under MK Ultra and have many demons where they come into churches and they pose as a Christian and then they cause problems in various ways. Um, then throughout history, there's the Kabbalah where it's Jewish mysticism and where they interpret the Bible to and twist it to mean things that are... Uh, you know, occultic, uh, Gnosticism, specifically where it became, you know, Gnostic Christianity, um, the Roman Catholic Church hierarchy, I should say, and the Jesuits, um, the Jehovah's Witnesses, the Mormons. I have some suspicion about the origins of the Seventh-day Adventists. I'm not sure if I'll do it. I haven't done a lot of research on that. I've just read a little bit about it, and it sounds like there was some Freemason uh, ties and some of the belief systems um, are connected, but I'm not sure yet. I'm specifically going to pick ones related to uh, the mystery religions uh, that that might have been started by them. Um, The charismatic movement. Now, I'm not talking about most charismatic churches here I would be talking about specific uh, extreme <laughs> charismatic churches and movements um, the emerging church and uh, some of these U- Unitarian Libertarian I mean not Libertarian liberal kind of churches um, and One that I haven't done a lot of research on that I might do an episode on and I'll have to do some research on is Scientology. But it sounds like there's some things mixed in there. So some of these I'm already pretty familiar with. And some of these others that I would like to touch on, uh, I may have to do some research on first. So these are what we have to look forward to in the coming episodes. And if you ever want to get a hold of me, uh, once again, email me at truthtransistorradio at gmail.com. All right. Thank you all and have a wonderful day.